0: I'm Michael Holly, and you're listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Motenko. With me, as always,
1: my twin brother, Josh Motenko. I'm excited about this one, y'all. Ready to go. And good friend, Mike Minkoff. I'm going to be bringing hot takes from deep with the consistency of Aaron Neesmith at practice, breaking three-point shooting records. Here we go.
0: We have the blog father on the podcast today, the Jeff Clark founder ceo of celtics blog jeff we're excited to have you thank you so much for joining the podcast
2: thanks for having me guys for my part i'm gonna be um leaning over and wiping my head with my armband like dj used to do in the 80s <laughs> hey
3: jeff this is this is uh i'm, I'm giddy like a schoolgirl right now this is like you're the guy who started celtics Blog. like this is a huge deal I remember like when Celtics blog came out, it was like 2003. And I was like, now this is a really good use of the internet. Like all these other people doing all these other things, like does not compare. Like why didn't anyone do Celtics blog before that? Why didn't I do this? Like this, it was a huge deal in my life. Uh, we've, We've all been fans since then pretty much. So like we're fanboys first and Celtics Pride Podcast hosts second, I think on this one.
0: Yeah, Josh, you introduced the the blog to me in like 2004 when we were living together in Somerville. Do you remember? Yeah, what do you remember? I was like I was probably
3: like, "Adam, I have the most amazing thing to tell you today."
0: <laughs> yeah, it was great. I loved it. I was every yeah. single day. It was like the news, then Celtics blog.
2: Well, that's that's great to hear, guys. I mean, like it's it, that is the reason why we started. It wasn't because I needed to say something is because, you know, I wanted people to connect online with other Celtics fans. And I won't bore you with too many old stories, but basically, you know, I was writing to my friends, um, living in Virginia and they were, I was just writing streams of consciousness about the Celtics. And they just wrote back one line or email saying, we don't care, find (laughs) someone who does. (laughs) And so I basically did. Yes. The community needed you. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, it, depending on time here, we're, we we want to reminisce a little bit towards the end of the podcast. We know that Adam Taylor interviewed you on the August 6th episode. So if we don't get enough of that done today, listeners can go back to that August 6th episode and listen to more about how the podcast, I'm sorry, the blog was started. Today, we want to talk about this team. We also want to um, get into a little bit of... Uh, a playful activity to start things off here. Obviously, you've written a ton for the blog. Um, you, you, you're doing something right here, Jeff, uh, with the the growth of the of the blog followership, respect with the Celtics organization, um, and you've written a lot of accurate accounts, and you were right about a lot of things. Um, but we have some recollections of things that you said that not necessarily that you were wrong about them, but you know you always get into certain players that you just love. So let me, Mike, mm-hmm. let me throw it to you for this
1: this activity. Uh-oh. Yeah, i just gonna
2: call this the Mark Blount special, or what?
1: Uh, unfortunately, there's no Mark Blount. S- somehow, does not make an entry in this. Uh, so how you did can, that you not can, happen? Yeah, that's that that's an oversight. I'll I'll take the blame there. I'll take the L. Uh, that was one of the that's one of the few misses uh, Aaron E Smith had at practice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you know, I did I did a little bit of spelunking on the blog. What I was hoping to do more of was uh, find find like your accounts and player comps that you came up with for like random draft picks like Fab Mello. But I couldn't find anything like that quite. But I did find some nice nice juicy snippets of things you wrote. And I, and I want to see if you recall who you wrote them about. Oh, or, or, Wait, this or is like a, a game show, right? It's a little bit like a game Where's show. Where's the game yeah. show music? <laughs>
2: Well, spoiler alert, I don't remember what I wrote last week, never mind several years ago.
1: I bet you'll remember some of these. First one, fill in the blank here. Blank is a hot mess, but he's our hot mess, and I was a fan.
2: <laughs> uh, it's got to be either Antoine Walker or Ray Jean Rondo.
1: <laughs> it was Antoine Walker. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, yes. Excellent. He wrote that in 2015. I assume around when he... Uh, Actually, I guess it was a little after he retired and was having some financial troubles, and they were in the news. Yeah.
2: Hey, I stand by that take, man. He was a hot mess, man.
1: <laughs> I, I was, I was saying to Adam and Josh, I was like, look, I would be, I would totally stand by this take if I, if I had ridden this. I, 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 he was a hot mess, but he was our hot mess, and I was a fan too at the time, in those yep. uh, Jim O'Brien days of bombing threes.
3: Yeah, Antoine Walker could play today, though. Think about his game in today's day and age. I would take him on this team right now if he was ready to come back. I would do it. We're always welcoming Antoine Walker back to the Celtics.
2: <laughs> I've thought about that myself sometimes, but the when I went back and looked at his efficiency numbers, it was just, oh, man, that was the Thank mess. you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, the, the, you're had. Your... You had some numbers in that article, Jeff it was like 222 for 640 or something from three <laughs> on the air. It was it was some insane volume. Okay, the next one. Uh, so this is a two parter. The best two moments of having blank on your team are the day you sign him and the day you trade him.
2: <laughs> the boat analogy. Gosh. Um, who is that?
1: And, and the second part. You got called out for this with a "that's BS" tweet oh, okay. <laughs> by a famous man. Player. I can't I by a can't by a Celtics player.
2: Oh, really?
1: I could give another. I could give another hint on that. That will give it away. That is now a Celtics broadcaster.
2: Oh gosh, <laughs> that's either Scal or, or um Max. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, Max, Max. Yeah,
1: it was Scal. Scal called you out with a tweet. And it okay. Was about any any guesses? Jason Jason Collins. Jason Collins.
2: Wah wah. <laughs> I don't remember hardly anything about Jason Collins' career. Here. Minus two
1: fifty on that one. All right. <laughs> All right. Which former Celtic did you once cheekily nickname Three and do you remember why?
2: <laughs> oh gosh, it was one of the draft picks. Um, shoot. Oh oh. Um, James Young.
1: Ding, ding, ding. James is. Young. Ding, ding, ding. Do, do you remember why?
2: He, he liked three-pointers. I don't know. I thought he maybe like, looked a little bit like Tupac, but not enough.
1: Gary Washburn or, or someone tweeted out that he, uh, uh, I think one of the older players or, or something, or someone in the locker room told him he looked like a, a young Tupac. Nice. So there. it had nothing right. to
2: do with the, the Rihanna picture that was going around the internet.
1: All right, and and, and uh, the last the last we've got a few more here. Uh, these these are going to be um, these are less like trying to remember what you wrote and more remembering how you felt about players. Okay. Which former Celtics draft pick were you most wrong about in retrospect? Jerome Moy- oh, Moizo, Keedrick Brown, Jawan Johnson, or Marcus Banks?
2: Oh man all near and dear to my heart. Um, Probably had to be Kedrick Brown because I was so high on him and so convinced that he was a a slam dunking three and D dynamo. And he just never was hardly any of those things.
0: I'm so happy you're talking about that because I remember all of that. And you convinced me too, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, like they had me when they said he could hit a three-pointer. I was like, okay, I'm in. Like if you can shoot from outside and use that athleticism, there's just oodles of untapped potential there. And it never got tapped.
1: Well, what really hurt me was when I was doing the research to put these questions together. I saw that we apparently actively chose to keep Kedrick Brown instead of Joe Johnson when making that trade. And that, yeah, there, that there's hurts. some
2: dispute there, I think, okay. but you know, I think it was more along the lines of the way I remember it was like, Hey, we'd like to keep either one, both of these guys. And they were like, well, we want Johnson. And we were like, eh, okay, fine. But that, that's, I'm not sourced on that.
1: So. Okay. Okay. That, that makes me feel a little better. I can, I can <laughs> choose to believe that it wasn't actually really a choice. Um, all right. Well, you, you kind of, you kind of, uh, as as I guess you might, you kind of gave away the answer on this one. Which former draft bus have you referred to as your one time Binky?
2: Oh, that is that. Is that Brown?
1: Yeah, it's Brown. Yes. Got it. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, you know,
2: the the other guys. You know, Marcus Banks. That was I, I was pretty bought in with him, and he had a a decent half season somewhere in there. And Moiso, man, that that just didn't happen. Um, was that the guy who like? Crumbled under the stare of, of of Kevin Garnett, or was that? Oh, no, that I was. That was uh, I no. think
1: that was Johnson. No, 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 no. Oh, no, that was the uh, center. That was uh, Patrick. Yeah, O'Brien. Patrick O'Brien. Yeah.
2: O'Brien. Yes, that's right. He just could not handle the stare.
3: See, this podcast uh, was always going to go to reminiscing, no matter <laughs> yes, how we set it up.
1: And okay, the last uh, and clearly the most important question: Please describe your initial hopes for Yuri Welsh
2: oh gosh um manu ginobili
1: (laughs) ever rational on Celtics blog and that's
2: totally i don't know what's the word for that uh you know it's when you discriminate someone against them or or, um stereotype someone because they're from another country or something like that that's just Mm -hmm. totally guilty on, on that count
0: Thank you, Jeff, for, for obliging us with that that exercise. I really enjoyed it. Let's talk about this team. Uh, Jeff, I, I think of you as an eternal optimist with the Celtics. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your level of optimism for this team this year?
2: 23. <laughs> <laughs> that low? Um, you no. Know, uh, you see, over time, you try to learn, mis- learn from your mistakes and cut down on the hot takes and, you know, try not to take things too personally. And, and the last thing you probably learn is say, temper your expectations too, you know, so you're right. I am an internal optimist. I own that. I I get that. I also know that about myself. So I try to, you know, hedge a little bit on on my own anticipation and expectations. Um, So I don't know, let's put it at an eight, I guess um i'm I'm really excited to see what the next step is for for jason tatum i'm really excited to see what you know jalen brown does it seems like um you know i I love the the well actually debates when when jalen brown just starts you know ripping off games and people are like well he's actually the most important player on the celtics and and there's no losers here we get to we get to watch them both it's cool um, I, I love what Ime Yudoka has brought so far. I love his, um, I love his Nick Fury type of attitude, <laughs> at least in my in my head. Um, and you know, I just I like the direction this team is going, and I like the way they're building out the roster. It's just you know, I, I'm I'm positive again. My palate has been cleansed from last year. It's it's ready to move forward. How far do you think the team can go in the playoffs this year? Uh, I have them capped out at the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I still wow. think that that's probably the, the upside for them. I don't think that they're going to make it past whoever wins the the, the, the battle between Milwaukee and, and New Jersey. Um, but, you know, obviously the downside is, you know, everything happens similar to how it happened last year. And, and we go 500 and barely do the play-in tournament. So there's there's definitely a range there, and I'm, I'm conscious of that. But, you know, I, I think we could make a – a run if if the the ball bounces the right way in the in the playoffs.
0: You said you were excited about the next step for Jason Tatum. Do you think he'll finish with at least one first place
2: MVP vote this year? Uh well, you know us us media folks are pretty fickle. Um, I think he could honestly. You know, I I'm on record as saying I think he gets. Well, let's just say he's got a really good shot at being a top five candidate in the mvp race like whether or not that actually happens who knows but they're going to kind of have to be one of the top say two or three teams in the east to do that and obviously he's going to have to be the 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 straw that that stirs the drink
0: you came out with your swags article which is an annual tradition for you and and always a fun read um Mm -hmm. which of your swags do you think is most likely to come true
2: See, now you're, you're quizzing me on something I wrote yeah. a week ago and I can't remember it anymore. <laughs> so you had
0: um, Jason Tatum is going to be a top three MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Aaron Niesmith will be a starter before December. Brad Stevens will make another trade before Christmas. Ime Odoka will challenge every player to an arm wrestling match and win every time. And, a- <laughs> and Al Horford and Dennis Schroeder will inspire a buddy cop movie on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely the last one.
2: Uh, no, like, I, as I've been doing these over the years, I've, I've realized that sometimes I get a little bit too, I, I, I miss the silly part. Like, I don't always put in something silly. I, I, they're always optimistic, it seems like, but, uh, you know, I, I sometimes miss the silly. So I tried to angle for that towards the end there. But um, yeah, I'd say most realistic, let's say Niesmith is uh, starting by December. so. I really do think he's going to bring, yeah. um, I, you know, going into the the preseason, seeing the way the roster was built, I was just assumed based on his seniority that Jason Richardson was going to be the de facto fifth store starter. Me too. Um, and the more I've seen, uh, uh, and it's not necessarily a knock on him, it's just... He seems like a backup to me. He seems like a depth piece rather than a starter. Uh, and maybe it's just the, the, I don't know, I can't call it anything but a broken looking shot. Um, it's just, bottom line is I'm, I'm optimistic about Aaron Nesmith. I like the shooting he brings. I like the fact that he's bringing extra elements to his game. He's progressing towards being a three-level scorer. Not saying he is yet, but he's the, he's getting that way. And uh, and I just love the, the reckless abandon he plays defense with. You know, people are going to call me out and say I'm a Romeo hater. I'm not. I, I put them neck and neck in, in terms of um, where I'm hoping for them to be. Um, and, you know, Romeo's got him on defense, certainly, at least in the early on. And I just don't know where his offense comes from. So it's kind of I wish I could I wish I could Voltron them together and get the best parts of both of them. But I, I, I can't.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, well, Jeff- romeo romeo's come out like that last game in the preseason he was on fire i mean do you do you, yeah. did you has your have your kind of impressions of them shifted or evolved notably at all over the course of the preseason understanding of course that it's preseason so
2: there's
1: <laughs> only so much talk you can put into any of it
2: yeah i i, I in in that take in that comparison I've, I've been trying to do in my head i'm trying not to do too much You know recency bias and and small sample size theater i mean romeo's not going to shoot 80 percent or whatever it is he's shooting for the preseason i don't know if i mean i think he's improved as a shooter i don't know how much and it we don't even have in the seasons that he's played i don't think we have enough of a sample size to say whether or not definitively that romeo is a good or bad shooter i just it's a big question mark and that's probably my biggest thing with him is i just don't know and with kneesmith i guess it's there's a, an element to that too. I mean, he only has his rookie season that he's played. Uh, I just trust his jump shot more than I trust, say, you know, Romeo's ability to get to the to the to the rim, stuff like that. So,
0: who do you think will end up as the closing five at the end of the year?
2: Ah, uh, let's see. I think, he, uh, assuming all health, knock on wood, um, I, I think you got to have Al Horford out there. I think you got to have Smart Tatum Brown. And then it's just about that fourth guy, right? So, um, part of me wants to say Robert Williams just because he's logically our fifth fifth uh, guy in that rotation. You could put, you know, Horford as the fifth best player or whatever. But you know, if the team wants to have some shooting and or defense, I don't know. They, I guess you know you could do Neesmith and and, um, and Romeo in, in a. Um, offense defense swap but uh yeah i mean and, and all things considered too like if, if those guys aren't ready and they're just not producing that i could see jason richardson being out there in the, in the final uh, minute josh josh richardson what did i say jason jason yeah we've been doing that for weeks too. Oh,
1: yeah I, I do that i do that like once every other episode <laughs> yeah.
2: S- slam dunk king jason richardson
0: You mentioned Robert Williams. How concerned are you about his injury history? He just missed the last preseason game with the Um, the knee issue as well. You know,
2: being an an internal optimist, I'm hoping for the best. But uh, I do, like, you know, everything hinges on him being healthy, right? Not not the whole season, like, outcome, but, like, his development, his progression, his next step in his career – and the, it worries me to see anything with the knees going on and everything with the, the, the legs and a seven footer um, concerns me. And the fact that this seems to be a recurring slash, um, I don't know what you call it, uh, a nagging injury. It just makes me worried that this is going to be him for the rest of his, year, his, his career, whether or not it's a major injury at some point, or, Hey, you only get 60 games a year out of him or something like that. I don't know, but, um, I will say that you know a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of Rob is is better than none at all. But uh, I'm just concerned for for his career.
0: How did you feel about that contract extension?
2: Still liked it, you know. I mean, I, I think it was a the the reason why we got him for the price that we did is because of that injury scare or that that injury concern. And he if if you had given him a clean bill of health and mm. the same. Um, the same resume that he has currently, people would be lining up to give him, if not a max, then a pretty close to max offer. Um, Except so, for Robert Sarver. <laughs> true. True. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, there is, it, it's one of those things where we got him on what I would call a bargain, but it's not a bargain if he gets hurt. So who knows? But yeah, I, yeah. I, I was happy with that, that roll of the dice.
0: So speaking of missing games due to health-related reasons, the Celtics led the league by a large margin in missed games last year due to health and safety protocols. Where do you think the Celtics will rank in missed games for that reason this season?
1: And do you have any theories why we seem to be so uh, <laughs> prone prone to this?
2: Yeah, who knows, man? I mean, I I guess the... You, you wonder, right? Like, is is somebody not wearing a mask? And is somebody breaking down in the protocols? Is somebody um, hanging out with people? But it could be a 1000 different things. It could be, you know, why is this a pandemic all around the world, despite the, the whatever precautions are in place? Because stuff happens. I think it's, you know, I could not pinpoint any particular reason for this happening, even if I was there every day and, and could figure it out. I think it's, I think it's random. So uh, I wish I had a better answer for you th- than that. But sorry, there, there's a it's a reason why I'm not a not a doctor.
0: <laughs> Who are you sneakily excited about breaking out this season?
2: Uh, I so want to say Bruno Fernando. Um, <laughs> I don't. Know, I, I guess I'm. You know, as much as I don't talk about him, I am excited about Romeo Langford. Like I, I really want to see him do something that 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 you know shuts people up basically mm. he's getting the um you know he's 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 mr glass from half the commenters and other people saying he is he can't shoot and he's he's answered that so far in the in the preseason but again disclaimer it's preseason i i want to see him do something with his time i want to see him do something with his his brand new number and and uh and and you know, really legitimately put himself into the rotation. I think one of the the big things here is that, and it's weird, like last year, the problem was we had too much youth. And this year, one of my optimism points is the fact that we've got youth. (laughs) And it doesn't make sense until you look at it from the, the, the lens of last year, we had so many injuries and COVID and all this other stuff that the youth was forced to be in rotation roles and up a level from where they usually should be in the the pecking order and now we've got enough depth that they can be further down in the pecking order but also able to step up if they if they show themselves available to or 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 able to so i think they've gotten it's like they hit they took their lumps last year and now they've learned tough lessons and seen the value of the effort that they have to put in in the off season and and every day uh, on off days and now they are going to be better prepared to to go forward at least that's the optimist's hope
3: yeah there's i think our youth is a little bit older too i feel like we've got more 25 year olds this year you know when you look at dennis schroeder and josh richardson and Ernan Gomez, you know, like I feel like our youth last year was 21. Like all of them were 21 Yeah, is what it felt like. They
0: had no experience too. We had yeah. like three rookies and the second year players didn't have an off season. I mean, they, they yeah. were so inexperienced and we don't have a single rookie on the team now.
2: Yeah, and I don't even really think about like Schroeder or, or Heron Gomez or even Tatum or Brown as being quote unquote young anymore. Like they, they show up on the 25 and under lists, and that's fine. It's technically correct. But, you know, Tatum and Brown, they're, they're grizzled vets by now. Um, and, you know, Schroeder and, and, and other guys have been around the, the league and they've, they've seen and done things. And so I, I think they can step in and, and provide something for us.
0: In your Swags article, you mentioned that you think a trade will happen before Christmas. So true or false, all of the following players will be on the the Celtics roster for the entire season. Dennis Schroeder, Al Horford, Josh Richardson.
2: I guess I would have to say true because the odds are always against there actually being any particular trade. But I feel like there's going to be a trade of some sort. And that could be a minor thing. It could be you know, I don't know, dumping Bruno's Bruno's yeah. um, salary in order to get under the tax or something like that. Um, but you know, if you're looking at somebody to to dangle in a bigger trade or or to match salaries and in, in a larger move, I, I definitely think Richardson is is one of the key people that I would point to and say use his salary.
0: Marcus Smart has
2: my heart. I- <laughs> Next question. All right.
0: <laughs> He's also had sort of an interesting start to the season. He seems like a little bit crankier than normal. He yeah. uncharacteristically missed a, a flight, which you know normally is not a big deal. But it's year eight, um, so I'm not trying to make that a big deal. But are, are you concerned at all? Or should we worry at all about Marcus Smart? Um, I hope
2: not. Um, I, I, it's it's something. It's one of those things that makes me cock the eyebrow and, and keep an eye on it, right? That's something that you always wonder about. You, you keep an eye on it. Uh, Marcus is he's a volatile kind of guy, and, and you see that play out on the, on the court. Um, and you see it play out in weird stuff that happens to him every year, it seems like. so, um, But I guess I'm going to be concerned if I see it translate onto the court or in a situation where he and or his teammates are... Against each other in any way, shape, or form. Uh, barring that, I don't, I don't. I'll stop short of saying I don't care. I, I actually care about him as a person. But you know, whether or not he's cranky, or uh, it seems like this might be stemming from the contract negotiations and, and the extension contract extension contract negotiations from the summer. Maybe he doesn't feel as loved as he as he should be from the, the front office and his old coach f- for by the way um but you know if that's the case then okay uh, understood you're welcome to feel that way channel it you know show us show us yeah. the wrong show us that you you belong and you know for crying out loud mark, marcus make my my long-standing prediction come true you're going to be the finals mvp do it so i feel like mark mark is smart here
3: he's He's, like, he's the guy who bristles when something's a little off. Like, he's the guy, like, I, I like the fact that he has that edge about him. And mm. um, that's I think that's what actually makes him special. And I, and I think what's going on right now is we have a new coach, new new rules or, like, a new accountability to the rules, I think. I think before maybe the rules uh, maybe <laughs> applied to some people but not all people. And now mm-hmm. it seems like Udoka's instituting – like harsher penalties, he's publicizing, you know, like the discipline that he's doing with Grant Williams as well. Right. So it mm-hmm. doesn't mean Grant Williams is a bad guy. It doesn't mean Marcus Smart is a bad guy, you know, but Marcus Smart is the one who's kind of responding like, what, you know, and I actually like that about him. Um, yeah. I think that shows that, that there's, there's uh, that he really cares like so much so that he's going to actually challenge where the line is.
2: Yeah. And, and let's, let's try to keep in mind the, the, the human element here too, which is, Marcus Smart had one coach in his professional career, you know, Brad Stevens. Wow! Yeah, and good call. He, yeah. So this is new to him. This is this is a brand new guy, brand new voice. Um, if anything, Marcus could could turn around and and you know look at in Ma and say, look, I, I'm I'm the lead dog here. Like mm-hmm. I've been through it all. I've been here forever. Maybe you should you know take a few cues from me. Um, I'm not saying he's doing that and I'm not saying that's necessarily the right attitude to take with your brand new head coach, but at the same time, I mean, he probably feels he is a captain here, whether or not he gets named a captain at the end of preseason or not. Exactly. He's a captain in this in this organization. And that means something. Now, the fact that he had to get, you know, disciplined for, for missing the flight, you know, that stinks that, that, that happened. Um, it did seem like he was maybe a little bit ornery about that, and and I, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors and how that was a, approached and, and and whatever. But you know, he's a he's a human being, and he's going to have good days and bad days. And as long as the good days outweigh the bad days, then he's just like us.
1: No, I I think that's a great point about the the organization or the having a new coach. I was thinking something similar, Jeff, because it, it to me it's a, it goes a little or, or just, I guess related to that, it's not just a new coach, but it's one whose kind of temperament overlaps more with Marcus's than Brad's did. And so there was there was a dynamic mm-hmm. that I think kind of nat- could naturally play out and a role and a kind of space for Marcus to lean into his kind of abrasive, get-in-others-face mm-hmm. uh, role and, and, and attitude. Um, in a positive construction, you know, team first way uh, with Brad. And, and that was a very natural kind of uh, yin and yang uh, between the two, because Brad, you know, keeps an even keel, keeps things at a high level, doesn't really react one way or the other. Uh, uh, there's some, a level of accountability, but he's not going to get in your face. And Imei has made no bones about the fact that he's going to hold guys accountable. He's going to call them out. He's already calling guys out in public. And, and right. that's a little bit in Marcus's former lane. And it means that Marcus is going to get called out in a way that we know Brad wouldn't have. So so I think there's probably t- kind of two pieces there that I could see Marcus struggling to adjust at, just as a human, as a normal human, to, mm-hmm. to the leadership style of Ime, Because no, his, his role will change and he'll be experiencing things different from what he's experienced in a very specific way.
2: Yeah, and maybe there's something to be said too for when someone's used to being the, the harsh voice and someone else comes in and is the harsh voice, you kind of struggle right. with your, your, your role your, your position and your position. Yeah. What do I do now?
3: So Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. You got that question right too, Jeff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> A couple guys we haven't talked about yet. Tell me what you think the roles will be for Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams.
2: Well, Peyton Pritchard is just, he, he's hes living the dream that Antoine Walker had way back in the day. He shooting from the logo, and, and someday he will be, you know, shooting fours if they, if they put those in. Um, so the, and I, and I love Pritchard. I love, I love his ball handling skills. I love his, his shooting. Um, you know, I think he might get picked on on defense at some point, but, uh, you know, give me a, give me a shooter on on the floor. That's what we're going to need The space, spacing. Um, You know, I love his, his, his attitude. He's, he's not shy. He's not going to back down from anything. So love that guy. Um, Grant is, is a man. He is a, um, a controversial figure that I wouldn't imagine would be a controversial figure, right? He, he just sort of is what he is and he's got some room to grow. Don't get me wrong, but you know, people seem really worked up and really fired up about how bad and terrible he is. And I guess I've just never seen it. I mean, and and I said this in my last article, which is basically like, look, he he was the 22nd pick. What do you want? He's, he's an undersized power forward that, you know, that is supposed to make heavy plays is a a streaky shooter. And, you know, he's going to provide some value as a, as a quote unquote glue guy. And if your team is losing, What's he going to glue together? He, he's just, you, you can't, <laughs> there's nothing to glue together if, they, if the pieces don't fit. So if you put better players around him, I think he, his, his, his um, intangible skills will play better to the people that are around him. That's just who he is. He's not going to be a stat filler.
3: Yeah. The thing with Grant Williams, I think that people don't realize, he's, he's such a hulking figure that people don't realize his physical limitations. Like his, he's really short for the positions he should be playing. His Mm -hmm. lateral quickness is really not up to par. His arms are really short for his size, you know? And, and so like mobility wise, he, he was like, like one of a lot of those, you know, the guys back in the day, like big baby, like all these guys, these bigger guys who you talk about being like having really quick feet for their size and being really mobile and agile for their size, but all that's for their size. And now he's trying to play a position down. So, and I think he's got some of the skills to do it. Like he's shown he can shoot the ball, right? So like, that's huge. The ball handling was already there a little bit, right? He can pass. So, mm-hmm. um, but he's really, he's kind of limited physically when you really think about it.
2: Yeah. And I, it's, I, it's weird too, because the, the, I don't know what to even make of the, the the quote unquote power forward position anymore. Like either we're going completely away from the traditional sense of, of you know, there are no back to the basket guys anymore. There's stretch fours, in which case, what do you do with those? And then there's, there are some bigger guys who they can put the ball on the floor, and they have like great length. And you know, there's, I don't know, if Siakam's a three or four, but you know, yeah. someone like that, you, know, you can't put Grant out there with that person. Um, and then we've we've been using him, um, Grant, in a in a role for like a small ball five. Okay, he's not exactly. Imposing enough to, to fill that role either. And then sometimes we swung him over to three. And so we're trying to use him as in plug and play situations all over the place. And who knows what his best role is. But um, like I said, I think if you've got four other ballers out there that can just, you know, plug and play, you can stick him in there and he can provide an extra spark somewhere along the line dive for a ball or or make a good, um, cut or make a good screen that that sets someone loose. If you're counting on him to be, you know, a drink stirrer, then, you know, I don't know, find another straw.
0: Josh, Mike, any other questions for Jeff about this year's team?
3: Yeah, I got one last question. We've been talking about toughness a little bit on the podcast, you know, comparing, and I think we're going to do it a little bit more comparing Brad Stevens and, uh, and Emo Odoka in terms of, do they bring toughness? But my question to you about toughness is it seems like we're surrounding Jason Tatum with more toughness. Um, I think that Josh Richardson is tough and Horford brings some of that back to the team. And You know, you can kind of go down the list. Do you think Jason Tatum's going to actually bring more toughness? He seems like he'll get to the free throw line more, but do you think he'll actually be tougher?
2: Well, based on his, uh, his, his, his arms, I, I hope he is tougher. <laughs> He's certainly been putting in the, uh, the weight room um, effort. Um, you know, I, I, I think so. You know, honestly, I think he's going to, and it depends on what your, your, your definition of toughness, I guess, is. Like if you mean attacking the basket. I've challenged him for, for being soft
3: at times. And I think that it's a mentality thing. Like when he does go in there and get fouled and get hit, like the, how does he respond? Like what's his body language like in that response? And, mm. is, and is he determined? Or is he like I, I got to do that this way because I got to get yeah. to the
2: free throw line? I mean, I can see that. Uh, I, I think it was. I'm not sure if it's soft. It might be laziness uh, or or falling back on things that are that are easier for him, like the, and maybe a little bit more glitzy or glamorous. I guess I don't know. Um, but you know, uh, I, I see where you're going with that, and I do, you know, share the the hope and desire that he attacks the basket more gets to the free throw line. I think, you know, perhaps the motivation there is, Hey, you know, when you do it, when his his trainer there um, does the math and tells him you can get four or five more points a game, a, a game by getting to the free throw line, that's motivation enough. Right. Um, so yeah. uh, I do like the, the strategy, which, you know, I never thought of before, uh, which shocking, I'm not a coach, but you know, the, the strategy of kind of putting him on that mid post area or the um, you know, the, the block extended type the, um, area. So that you mm-hmm. kind of sort of post him up and make him the, you know, the, the, the playmaker. And if, he, if, if you've got someone cutting, he can find them. If you've got someone open outside, he can find them and he can. And obviously if he's single teamed, he's going to burn whoever he, who's trying to guard him. It's almost like how they used low post players back in the day, except just a little bit further right. extended. Um, and, and I used to love watching, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon work out of the post where he was just, a, he was a point guard from the post and it was beautiful to watch. So I could see maybe Tatum uh, taking on a little bit of that and, and, you know, maybe feasting on a little bit of a, a market inefficiency. You know, we, we, the, the, the league has been working towards, um, you know, only hit three pointers, only hit something in the, in the paint. Well, Tatum has the skill to, to, to just feast in the mid range if he, if he needs to. Or, like you said, you know, take that 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 spot in the mid-range mid and work your way in.
0: Well, the season starts on Wednesday night against old friends Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier and the New York Knicks. So we'll start to get real answers to all of these questions then. Uh, Josh, I know that you wanted to spend the last five minutes reminiscing about some things from the early days of the blog.
3: Yeah, I've... You know when the blog first came out it was the drafts and the off seasons where we got kendrick perkins and al jefferson delante west and tony <laughs> allen i thought those were good drafts right and it's fun to think back on those guys because now we've seen you know pretty much what all their careers have looked like right feels so, like my children right so the blog is a generation old basically because we've seen this generation of players come through and um i, I kind of wanted to, to I feel like like Chris Farley a little bit in, in that old skit where he would he would interview yeah. the famous person. You know, and so I have got questions like that for you like hey remember when remember when Kendrick Perkins lost all that weight between his first year and
2: his second year? <laughs> remember? Yeah, that was awesome.
3: That was awesome. <laughs>
2: no, yeah, that I mean that that is one of my my polls whenever people try to, you know, kill Danny Ainge for his drafting track drafting track record is the fact that he got Kendrick Perkins with the 27th pick as a as a doughy high schooler out of Texas and no few people had ever heard of this guy and he comes in and he's a he's a starting center on our our championship team that's that's pretty remarkable And and I love the way that he grew up into his role and and really was uh a poster boy for work at it. And you can be, uh, turn yourself from a project into a, a champion.
3: Yeah. And all the hope we had for Al Jefferson, you know, and then all of a sudden he was traded away to get something way better. And and then like looking back <laughs> on it, like we dodged a bullet with Al Jefferson a little bit. Yeah, right? we did. Well,
2: there is certainly a lot of people that were upset that we traded him for Kevin Grant now, or were right? offering at him the time. Or, or, and part of that I think was, um we we sometimes misremember that but i think a lot of that was because kevin garnett was on record as saying you know he didn't want to go to boston he wasn't going to re-sign there so nobody wanted a, a rental of a guy and didn't, he was going to be grumpy uh especially someone like kevin right. garnett being grumpy you don't want that but you know once we got ray allen the the the, the story changed and turned and all of a sudden you know i was ready to pack al's uh, bags
3: yeah i mean the, the, then there was a bunch of characters on the blog when it first started, too. like these I just wanted to like take us all the way back. Like the blog was started by you, but it was really the community that built it because we had all these people who were really knowledgeable, that had all these screen then, names. We didn't know who anybody was. And sometimes people would come with like these amazing quotes like Master Poe was a commenter who would come <laughs> with these like Confucius say, and he'd give all this like Celtics wisdom in this like Charlie Chan uh, type <laughs> quote. And I was like, who, who is this guy? Like, this guy, you, Jeff Clark, you know who this guy is? Maybe like you, you know, he because I think he worked for you too, right? Like, who were these people who helped start the blog? Like, who was the Matt uh, Rushmore of, of like, first? Funny thing is, like,
2: I have not hardly met hardly anybody from the blog. Um, you know, I, I don't live in the in the in the Boston area, so it's hard for me to just reconnect with people. Sometimes I have been able to run into people like Kevin, um, uh, Kevin O'Connor, and uh, I feel like I've, I've met, did I met, I don't think I met Jared Weiss, um, uh, like like I said, you know, there's not a lot of people I've met in person. I've talked to them on, on the phone, and that's always interesting, actually hearing people's voices that you've, you've read <laughs> yeah. for so long. You're probably listening to my voice saying, man, it's a good thing he's a blogger and not a podcaster. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so, like, I love all of them. I mean, back way back 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 in the day like you know when, when i started the blog it was with the, a a fellow guy from you know um another message board and his name was hagrid or at least that was his call name yeah right joe sure. messick was his real name i'm not calling him out there <laughs> but um he's he was he was phenomenal I and mean, he was like my, my partner in crime and then it just life happened and he couldn't do it anymore and i just kept going right <laughs> and i think you know I don't really consider myself better than any other Celtics blogger. I've just been here longer. <laughs> I'm institutionalized. Right. Um, so, and then there's like, you know, the, the, the servers were crashing day after day, because, you know, hey, good problem to have, but we can't keep the site up because there's too much traffic. And I remember actually having, you know, a, a heated discussion with my wife about that, whether or not we were going to keep paying for the, the server cost that kept going up and up and up. Um, and the, the ad money wasn't, you know, covering it at that point. But um, you know, in comes this white knight called Bob Day, and he says, "Hey, I'm a I'm a web developer. I love what you do here. My wife actually does a, a, a you know runs servers out of you know out of her house. Why don't you put go on our service? We won't charge you an arm and a leg for it, and we'll we'll work together on this on this." And he redesigned the the blog and and made it look so much more beautiful than I could with WordPress, you know? Um, Right. So, you know, that was another great thing to happen. And, you know, at some point we got, um, I don't know, just this this litany of one name after another. Um, And I'm going to kick myself if I forget any of them. But like I've already mentioned Kevin O'Connor, Jared Weiss, now there's Keith Smith. We've been totally and unbelievably blessed by just people coming along and saying, "Hey, I want to help. I want to write. I want to be part of this." And you know, all I can do is say, "This is my dream filled. This is my. I wanted to build a a canvas for people to to paint their own stories on. And yes, I I like you know doodling my my silly you know stories and and and." Worthless words sometimes, but it's even better when someone smarter than me and more writer, uh, more writer, better. <laughs> See what I mean? Um, <laughs> someone who's a better writer than me can come in and, and do this and and break down film of, of, of plays and um, and go through the cat machinations and and just be everything that I'm not, but, but aspire to be and, and still kind of wish I would be, but have stopped dreaming of being. I, I don't know basically I love the fact that other people can come onto this platform and have their voices heard and, and, and share that with other people. So that's, that, as you can tell that that is my passion.
3: Yeah. Well, I I know you're a religious man. You're definitely doing service to your community with this. Uh, You know, you're from a Celtics fans perspective, you're doing God's work. Like for real, like people (laughs) really care. Sports are a religion in America. People, people really care about this and, and you're, you're, yeah. You're doing it the right way. You know, I remember when we were hired talking to the people at SB nation and they were talking about the amount of traffic that each blog gets. And it seems like Celtics blog was one of the first and still is kind of one of the models for how to do it for all these other blogs that have come since. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I think it's good that, that you're an eternal optimist. I think it, it would it may not be as popular a blog if you were a pessimist, right? Like know who's <laughs> reading those blogs
2: yeah i mean I mean I get it you know there's a self de- de- defense mechanism for the pessimists they're they're either they're either um right or pleasantly surprised right but um you know I just can't work that personally and you know in, in terms of doing it the right way you know this is the only way I would do it um and this is the only way I can think to do it you know I do think I believe in the golden rule you know respect others and and do unto them as you would have them do unto you right so and there, there's a whole nother level to that, that people don't really understand is like, you know, we're all spoiled by, by ourselves. We, we would hmm. never like, you know, if, if we got hit in the knee, we would, we, we would, we'd, everything, fall, everything breaks down and everything stops while we attend to that, that pain. If we would treat others the way we treat ourselves, then this whole world would be a better place. And so if I've exuded that on on the, on the blog and how I, I how I run things and, you know. In as much as I can be proud of something, I'm proud
0: of that. We thank you with val- with values like that and content like the broadcast. How can you not love it? Uh, this sound feels like a good place to end and get you out on time. We are certainly proud to be a part of the community and to represent the community. Thank you, Jeff, for starting it. Thanks for coming on this podcast. We've ac- we would of course love to have you again in the future, uh, but really appreciate this time.
2: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
0: If you're listening, you're probably already a fan of Celtics Blog. If you're not, go to Celticsblog.com and read the articles, engage in the comments, follow them on Twitter at Celticsblog. Rate review and subscribe to this podcast at CelticsPridePod at Twitter, individually at Mike Minkoff, NBA and at Coach Motenko. Thanks again for listening. You are supporting Celtics Pride.